There are two ways to start a craft brewery business. The first is to be born with a silver spoon or have deep pocketed investors who see your potential or have fantastic money raising skills. Any or all of these means you can start with decent new equipment, can't afford to pay for a small staff, and even go on a holiday once a year. But then there's how the majority of us start with one other partner, a wallet full of maxed out credit cards, friends or spouses who schlep for free, a willingness to say goodbye to weekends and quality of life, a couple of good core beers, and a wing and a prayer. And when you look over at your partner, you think, thank God one of us knows how to plumb. Hi, this is Vela Mitrovich, and you're listening to the Brewer's Journal podcast from Rebe Media. We're borrowing an episode this week from Rebe Media's The Food Business, in which hosts Rano and talks to Dan Snow, co-founder of Bristol's Cockshire Brewery. Dan takes us on a tour of his brewery and offers helpful tips on where they've saved money, where they splurged, and discuss the pitfalls of any new business. You'll also hear why Rian calls the cocksure lads the scrap middlers of the brewer's world. Enjoy. Beer. The Small Brewers Relief Scheme has led to a boom in UK breweries, with more than 2,000 lovingly crafting their brews to a receptive customer base. You know, we used to produce uh, probably about four cases an hour because it was so labour intensive. Um, now we could probably turn around, uh, without going flat out, maybe 15-ish cases an hour if we had it all dialed up with the right amount of team in. And yeah, even though we've got two lads in here today, Dom and Jack, um, this is the first week we've had uh, these guys in. Dom did a bit of work experience with us a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it's literally everything else has just been me and Callum. Two of us do everything. Brew, package, deliver. But as lean breweries like this one in Bristol thrive, others are closing their doors as the very policy incentive that has kick-started the boom in microbreweries is the very thing that is holding it back. Welcome to the food business. I'm Rian Owen, and for this episode, we travel to the southwest of England. Yeah, this is our brew house. So uh, we call this, well, hot liquor tank, kettle, mash tun, same as every other brewery. Um, we call this one our Ugly Duckling. Uh, this is an Old Smiles uh, fermenter, which we fabricated into our hot liquor tank. Basically cut a couple of holes, stuck a heating element in it. And yeah, it's our modern hot liquor tank. And our two other vessels for our brew house is an ex 30 year old, we think, soft drinks um, vessel. And the same as our mash tun and kettle. So we went up to a graveyard in Manchester, me and Callum, who's the other co-founder. And we hired a flatbed truck drove all the way up, found two very uh, stylish, ugly looking, sad vessels. <laughs> Didn't look anything like they are today, so clad in black. And yeah, we brought them back, cut them up, got a very good stainless steel welder, just a couple of units up from us. And here is our 10 brewers barrel brew house. So how long did it take you to accumulate all this stuff? Ooh, um, 24 hours of driving up to Manchester and back to actually get the vessels um, for the 10 brewers barrel kit. 
and then it took us roughly around three months to fabricate it. So as we stand now, we're in the brew house section, um, which is roughly around 2,000, 3,000 square foot. The other side was actually a workshop. Okay. And you've pretty much built everything that's in here? Yes, me and Callum have basically fabricated everything we've got. Uh, with a few um, skilled tradesmen, as in stainless steel welders, but yeah, everything design-wise is all us. We've cut, we've put things, we've plastered things together, and then, yeah, we've built everything here, literally. Dan Snow and Callum Douch run the Cockshaw Brewery. They moved into their space in the southwest countryside in October 2016. And to make the business financially viable, they made a change they set up very quickly. They started with a five brewer's barrel kit, but then... Two months of brewing on a five brewer's barrel kit, it just wasn't sustainable financially. Hence why we suddenly went from five brewer's barrel to ten brewer's barrel within two months, purely because we realised that if you want to make a sustainable brewery, that is what we had to do. They also have six of what Dan calls old school fermenting vessels. They think they're about 20 years old, and like the bargain hunters they are, they salvaged them from the Smiles Brewery in Bristol, which closed down. Same again, me and Callum got wind of them. We originally went up to buy three, and we That's came out with six, yeah. <laughs> Story of our life. We drive somewhere, we find something, we realise we can make it work, and that is literally our ethics for everything we do. While I was there, they had two guys bottling. Dan said they recently treated themselves, as they used to do this whole process by hand, but they now have a six-out counter-pressure bottle system, which maintain carbonations while transferring from a pressurised vessel, such as a keg, to a beer bottle a much less time-consuming task than doing this by hand. Dan told me they could produce two to three cases per hour, whereas now they can produce upwards of 12 cases per hour. Yields are far better. Let's talk about how things began for Cockshaw from an investment perspective. We had very, very limited cash to set this business up, hence why we had to start by building our own kit and looking at other ways of doing things. Um, Regards to regards to other startup breweries, you know, uh, yeah, you could buy if you had six figures, you could just you could and you've done it correctly and you've done your homework, you can walk straight into a pretty commercial viable business straight off the bat from day one. You know, if we had six figures, you would go in, you would buy yourself, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 brewers barrel kit semi-automated so you need less people I, granted there's only me and Callum who do everything so we're very lean but in an ideal world you would want those extra bit of hands to take away the weights and strains with little capital they've always been lean and they've driven across the country in their van to collect unwanted equipment at bottom prices it's easy to imagine them as the scrap metalers of the brewing world they started out that way they might not have kept it for long, but Dan and Callum bought their original five-barrel kit from a farm. The gentleman passed away quite suddenly and the kit was being sold off. They stored it in Dan's mum's garage before they moved into their brewery. And of course, we heard about the fermenting vessel. Pretty much all of their equipment has been salvaged or made by Dan and Callum. But at what point did Cockshaw Brewery become a financially viable business? Most people say if you've, if you've got through the first 12 months, then you must be doing something right, whether it's viable, 
etc. or not. Uh, from the books, if you looked at our books potentially, yeah, it looks like we've made a loss all the time because of the amount of kit we keep reinvesting in. But we know where our margins are. Every product, so every brand or beer we sell, so as in if it's keg, cask or bottle, we're making, we're making the right margin we need. One, to put the best raw materials back into it and two, to keep it financially stable. And Cockshaw consider themselves to be tinkering on the edge of success. But you, you do get stumbling points, like our calling system has gone down a couple of times. You know, you then have to get people in, you get, it's like having a house, isn't it? Your boiler breaks and then you have to fix it, that hits your cash flow. I think very recently is when we've, we've realised that, yeah, we are, we are getting there. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It's not so much of counting every penny. You have to be really careful, don't get me wrong. But yeah, we're starting to see the beer starting to take off. All our ratings are a lot better. Yeah, I think we're about there now. Dan talked about cash flow a lot. This is always the elephant in the room. What would you say is the biggest threat to um, a business like Cockshaw in terms of it being financially viable? Cash flow. There's no question about it. You can have the best equipment in the world, you can have all your raw materials in, inside. It's just the pure cash flow for a small brewery. Um, that's the biggest eye-opener for us. Everything is forward paid from us. I can only speak from Cockshaw, but it just feels like, so for example, hops. Uh, as a startup, you can't really commit to a, a contract for hops. Granted, if you put, I'm gonna do 100 kgs worth of Eldorado, you'll probably get a better price. However, I don't know how hard is it. You, you can't predict your usage, definitely in the first year. To be honest, it's, it's really tricky in your second year. We've got no hop contract, so it means we buy on the spot. So one week, it'll be 31 kg, or 31 pounds per kg of hop. The next week, it'll be 27. The next week, it'll be, I don't know, 13 pounds. So for us as a business, we can't then pass that on to the customer. So if suddenly inflation went through the roof and they were charging us £45 a kg, we can't suddenly turn around to the customer next week who's a regular customer and say, oh, by the way, you've got to pay more for the product. This is something that we discovered in making our episode on the CO2 shortage that affected the UK in the summer of 2018. And it is worth having a listen to this if you haven't already. Breweries that purchase on the spot markets were affected more severely than those with long-term contracts. So what can breweries do to help themselves? Help each other, it's as simple as that. I've come from a rugby background and sports, heavily involved in team sports. So if, if I was on a field of rugby with 14 other blokes and you had five of them not helping you, you're gonna struggle. It's the same in your geographical area. You know, it's, the good thing about London, you've got um, all the, the London breweries have come together, so to speak, and they've got their, their guild, etc. Us down in the southwest, we've got some exceptional breweries, but we haven't quite come together yet. Um, you, everyone's nice; you'll go out and speak to them. But I, I definitely, me and Callum, Callum definitely pushes. We there's there's something in that. Coming together, however, didn't quite work out for two breweries near Cockshaw. Dan explained that up the road, two small breweries, Cotswold Spring Brewing Co and Seven Vale Brewing joined forces and changed its name to Combined Brewers. 
he told me that the two breweries were small but doing okay. But when they joined forces and moved into a larger premises, took on more staff, invested in expensive new equipment, the business became unsustainable. And despite cash injections from the directors, they were unable to remain profitable. They closed their doors in May 2017. They were called combined breweries, and they're literally a stone throw away from us, just literally across the M5. And they were two original breweries. I believe they were a five brewers barrel, brewery each. Um, possibly a 10, but no more than that. I, yeah, I think. And they were two, two owners, two head brewers, two separate breweries. Then, hence the word combined, they, they joined together to grow. I think they got in like a 30 brewers barrel kit together, took on a new site, which was like 40,000 square foot or so. It was massive. It's, it was probably 10 sizes the size of our place here. Um, and from me, from the outside point of view, looking in, by the looks of it, they tried growing too big, too quick. The kit was gorgeous. We actually, me and Callum went up to have a look at it when they went into administration to have a look at the site. It was huge. Um, it was a stunning kit. It was, I believe it was ABUK who installed it. Um, but yeah, for me, that just stood out that they, both breweries individually had a really good reputation around the area. They came together. Some, some breweries were great. Some breweries, um, some breweries they did were great together. Some weren't my taste. Um, but yeah, from a, from a business point of view, it just looked, yeah, it just looked like two five brewers barrel kit, or like I said, it could have been 10, um, come together, bought this 30 brewers barrel kit, state of the art kit. Um, they had, uh, the equipment they had in there was like a bottling line, conveyor belts, pasteurizer. Um, yeah. And just so happens we've now got their labeler cause the new owners come in to buy, buy it after administration. Um, he's been really nice. We went out to have a chat with him because he wanted to know how we um, keg our beer because his guys haven't done it yet. So we helped him out with kegging it and then he kindly has loaned us his labeler. But that's just, you know, that there sat there on our table. That was probably shy of £6,000 and it was just sat there brand new. It was, it was just, yeah, their equipment was out of this world. So yeah, going back to your, I know I ramble on, that's me. But going back to your question, I, I think two brewers came together and this is me from the outside. And yeah, they tried growing way too quick. It might be tempting to scale up quickly and breweries like Four Pure have done this successfully. But Dan explained that for many breweries, this can kill your business. Yeah, I think it's just anyone who sets up a business, even if it's in the industry, I think, especially for me and Callum, we're so ambitious, we're so impatient and you just want to get going. I think you can kind of fall into a trap where you're so blinkered and you just want to keep we constantly keep pulling ourselves back you know how can we make it better is it the right thing you know we we have like four ish principles you know it's got to be fun it's got to be commercially savvy you know it's got to affect the beer in the best way possible you know and also it's got to be part of our ethos our journey so you know if we stick to those principles everything we can pull back but yeah i think I think, yeah, with the craft beer industry year-on-year year growth, people trying to get a piece of the pie, especially with the mergers recently with the big boys buying into the smaller, the smaller boys purely because they're losing shelf space, especially in the grocers. You know, they're not... Um, you know, it's gone of the days where you go and you just see Carlin, 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 or, you know, 
Thatcher's, everything in the West Country, they're actually, the craft beer sections in a supermarket now are just phenomenal, really, from what they were four years ago. And yeah, I think everyone's chasing for that little bit. Breweries like Cockshaw and others that have been part of the British beer revival benefited massively from the progressive beer duty relief for small breweries that Gordon Brown introduced as Chancellor in 2002. At the time, British media called it a tax lifeline to small breweries dominated by a few large companies. And it was. The measure halves tax for breweries making under 50,000 litres a week and tapers duty up to 300,000 litres. But Bridget Simmons, the chief executive of the British Beer and Pub Association, believes that the small breweries' relief needs to be re-examined. Well, the small breweries' relief or craft beer it only represents 6% of our domestic market. And one of the reasons is because you have this cliff edge at 5,000 hectolitres. So you have a 50% discount up to 5,000 hectolitres. Once you grow above that, you lose it all. So it really stops brewers from developing and then going on to grow to be, to be bigger brewers. So we've got 2,000 breweries in the UK, only 47 of them are of any size. A lot of them are these very small brewers. The great thing about small brewers is that they have created different demands uh, and different styles, and they have definitely reinvigorated an interest in craft or, or in, 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 in different tasting beers. But the answer, the problem is that few of them have the national distribution for draft, for draft products, um, and whilst the pub companies have definitely helped them, that's a particular issue in a way. Larger breweries benefited from economies of scale and guaranteed sales. Microbreweries get this tax break, meaning that there is no incentive to go from small to medium-sized. The very policy that kick-started the blossoming of microbreweries is now holding them back. So when you had been behind a review, we've now got a review. It was announced uh, in the budget this year, I think 16 years after you've had a scheme that's worth looking at. 50% uh, is higher than very than almost any other country in Europe. But also, it's been when you've had this 42% increase in beer duty, obviously that 50% discount is significant and it can mean at a local level you're getting a £60 a barrel discount from the sort of medium sized breweries and all the costs that go in it. So, as far as we're concerned, it needs to look at it. We'll be working with the Treasury. And let's see what comes of it. But we would like to remove that cliff edge. I think there's something to do with the curve and how it can be improved. And we perhaps need to look at that discount and how it works for the very small and whether it's too generous, whether you might peg it in terms of actual monetary uh, advantage uh, to small brewers. I, I, there's a range of things that could be looked at. I think it's the right time to do that. Mid-sized breweries think that the tax break is unfair and distorting the market. But they're not the only ones missing out. Pubs don't currently benefit from the small brewers' relief. And with tax rises and wage increases, it's not a total shock to see the latest figures from the Office for National Statistics. That more than a quarter of Britain's pubs have closed their doors since the turn of the millennium. The only 
way that pubs benefit from small brewer relief is if they're able to buy their beer cheaper. Um, and, and there is an argument that the price of draft beer has been kept down by small brewers relief because it's so obvious what that relief is. So, so people know that they can buy it slightly more cheaply. But, but I think going forward, and I think this is one of the advantages, potential advantages of leaving the European Union, that there could be uh, a different regime for pubs that would help pubs. I mean, there's potential around VAT, um, which is allowed anyway under the six VAT directive, but it's so wide and the cost is so great to the Treasury, they wouldn't do it at the moment. But I think going forward, looking at what more we could do to help pubs in its widest form would definitely be uh, be something that we would support. Um, and we're obviously having uh, some thoughts around that. Any new incentives for pubs would also be good news for Dan and Callum at Clockshaw. The end of 2018 has seen them relocate. They've traded in their large country brew house for a smaller central Bristol location. Dan told me until now they've only had one revenue stream, but that's changed with the opening of a tap room at their new site. They're still lean. They need to be making about £8,000 a month to break even. And while incentives that benefit tap rooms, pubs and brew bars would be welcome, they're not banking on it, they're not impatient and they're not going to grow too quickly. They've learnt lessons from others that have come and gone before them. And they know that gradual growth to become more established and promote their brand is a safe and affordable bet. Food Business is a production of Reby Media. The host was me, Rian Erin. Special thanks to Cockshaw Brewery and British Beer and Pub Association. Mixing and editing by John Young. Additional story development by Bernadette Ballantyne. A big thanks to Josh Henderson for making this possible. Our happy hip-hoppy theme comes from Publicum and the beautiful Czech Republic. Thank you for that. Additional music from Pond5. The executive craft producer is Rory Harris. For more great podcasts, go to rebemedia.com. To find out about the next Brewer Journal's lectures, visit www.brewersjournal.info. Thanks for listening.